0: Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. Lord
1: Baelish. Cheetah, please. Are
0: you heading to listen to Binge Mode?
1: I'm going to the Eyrie to see your aunt Lys and the Veil.
0: She's sensitive, so I I feel compelled to tell you that Binge Mode features adult content.
1: Good, good.
0: Very graphic at times. Good. I know how she is around Moondor, so wanted to warn you just in case. And now, here's binge mode. I wish I was the monster you think I am. I wish I had enough poison for the whole pack of you. I would gladly
1: give my life to watch you all swallow it. Zamorin! Zamorin! Escort the prisoner back to his cell!
0: I will not give my life for Joffrey's murder, and I know I'll get no justice here, so I will let the gods decide my fate. I demand a trial by combat. Hello, woo, and welcome to Binge Mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. Joining me today, now that he's finished planning an extremely ambitious rescue attempt. Go! And then abandoning it the instant Ramsey opened the door to the kennel. It's Ringer Staff Writer and your Maester, Jason Concepcion.
1: Who let the dogs out? It was Ramsey. And God, man, you what a waste of a speech. Really brutal. Yeah. Really brutal. They cannot torture our prince with imputed... Oh, we gotta go. <laughs> the dogs are out, guys. We gotta
0: go. Jason, we at least remained loyal. We yes. are rewatching all 60 episodes of Game mm. of Thrones. We're deep diving one at a time. Spoiler warning, as usual, we will be going deep on details from the show and the books from this episode and this season and beyond. So climb into the bath that you worked
1: so Mm. hard to earn. Bring me my brown
0: pants. Because it's time to break down season four, episode six, The Laws of Gods and Men. Yeah. Jason. Yes. Varys believes that the phrase fuck the king was uttered. Fuck the king. (laughs) That's sacrilege, but... As far as we know, no one said anything about fucking the King's Road. So let's offer a brief refresher on what actually happened in this sixth installment by taking a quick trip down our very own King's Road.
1: In Braavos, Essos, Stannis and Davos arrive in the wealthiest of the free cities for their loan meeting with the Iron Bank. It goes poorly for King Stanny until Davos bears his nubs (laughs) and makes an impassioned PowerPoint presentation on Stan's behalf. Coin in hand. Davos visits sex pirate Solidor-san mid-hot tub bath. (laughs) Stannis has his fleet. At
0: the Dreadfort in the north, Yara and her rescue party making their way up the weeping Water River. They attack at night. Smart strategy. Scaling the walls, fighting their way to Theon, who is being held in the kennels. Just one problem, guys. Reek, not Theon, is in control, and he thinks the rescue attempt is a trick. He's absolutely terrified. He bites Yara. She is forced to flee when Ramsay, covered in blood, looks like a Jackson Pollock painting, comes in and sets his dogs loose. As a reward for staying loyal, Ramsay lets Theon take a long, well-deserved bath. He then tells Reek about his plan for retaking Moat Kaelin. This is, this is Roos' request. Mm-hmm. Currently under control of the Ironborn. But to do so, he'll need Reek to pretend to be someone else.
1: <laughs> Something else. What?
0: Theon Greyjoy!
1: In Marine Slaver's Bay, Drogon. Now the size of a passenger van, roughly. <laughs> um, and, you know, when he gets a hankering... Prowls the hills around the city in search of prey. Goats, sheep, sometimes children, maybe a little later, whatever it takes. Hisdar Zolorak appears in our lives. The scion of a noble Miranese family has an audience with Danny. He's whining, my dad, you executed him and you crucified him, blah, 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 blah. Hisdar <laughs> begs Danny to grant his father and the rest of the masters uh, a proper burial according to Miranese tradition.
0: Meanwhile, a lot of action in King's Landing. Prince Oberon attends his first small council meeting. Also in attendance, the new proud master yes. of ships. I was
1: told I would be master of ships.
0: <laughs> Mace Tyrell, happy to be there. Happy to fetch your quill and yes. parchment, whatever you need. Mace, be a good man and <laughs> fetch my quill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the council discusses news at a marine. Danny, triumphant, backed by Unsullied. Cell swords advised by two knights, Sir Barristan and Jorah, and with three young but growing dragons in her arsenal, Tywin as ever knows what to do. And then it's trial time. Jamie visits Tyrion in the dungeons, only this time it's not for a chat. It's to put him in fetters, have him taken to trial. Tyrion professes his innocence throughout, but the evidence and the testimony against him, damning. Jamie, growing very concerned, makes a deal with his dad. Let Tyrion live and Jamie will quit the king's guard, marry, procreate, carry on the family name. He's offering Tywin the thing he cares about most. Tywin agrees so fast that Very fast. you got
1: to ask, you got to wonder
0: if this is sort of what he was hoping would happen all along. Back to the trial after a little snack break, who should come to the witness stand but Shay. Uh, this is just too much for Tyrion. Yeah. He snaps, makes a great speech that we
1: will share with you in a bit and demands Trial by combat! Now, fear not. There are only 212 more subjects waiting to get ah, in to see us and Danny it. today. And that gets us to this episode's big idea, so let's cut right to the core of it by sticking it with a pointy. And the defining theme of this episode is the process of governance. In the world of Game of Thrones, conquering, winning a battle. Even winning a war is often the easy part of the equation. Very easy to kill people. It's what comes after. Governing, ruling, that is supremely difficult. Governance requires serving the needs of disparate groups of people who are often in heated competition with each other. The king of Westeros, for instance, embodies a state that serves the needs of the Dornish Libertines and the Prudish Northerners and everyone in between. Danny has to attempt to reconcile the needs of freed slaves with their former master's concerns. You can solve a few problems with the sword, but not all, guys. Governing requires a different set of talents and skills. One of the things
0: that's cool about this episode is that we will get some grand examples of governance in action, you know, the trial specifically, but we also, we get some intimate glimpses of what it looks like to see power and rulers operating behind the scenes really yes. discussing how to operate right and we have this this lovely little small council meeting worth noting Oberon does not stand nope. when Tywin enters everyone else like little like yeah. just like popping up little jack in the box yeah. he just is yeah. chilling
1: he's on his iphone
0: little <laughs> <a> lounge chair <laughs> yeah. reading the paper yeah. and He is not really interested in playing the governing game. This is never what this was about for him. He has always clearly stated his agenda. The small council is just one more avenue to access and information to ultimately further his personal gain. You know who is there to play the (laughs) governing game? Mace. This fucker.
1: (laughs) I have been informed that I am the master (laughs) of ships.
0: He could not be happier to basically be the ass in the room and be the butt of every joke (laughs) just either doesn't know what's happening or doesn't care because he's so happy to be in powerful company he is so eager to fetch tywin that quill and parchment boasting about his appointment (laughs) he looks he walks with like he's doing the proud peacock walk such pride such pride to fetch that quill and you know it's a joke it's comedy but It's also kind of interesting because Tywin actually does know, right, that part of being able to govern effectively stems from keeping dolts like (laughs) like Mace happy. That's a big deal. Be a good man
1: and fetch my quill and paper. Oh, yes,
0: Yes, Lord Hand. I didn't know that the small council had interns. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, another variable to consider when governing is... What happens when the folks you kicked to the curb yeah. align with the enemy? So, Part Varys gives a report. He's sharing intel, and part of this report on Danny notes that one, Jorah, no longer an informant, now fully loyal to her, and two, Barristan Selmy, in her employ. What's the observation from the room? Oh, appears that he took his dismissal from the Kingsguard. A bit harder than anticipated. (laughs) Cersei's hand waving this, right? He's old. He couldn't pretend to protect anyone, blah, blah, blah. And Tywin reasonably notes Joffrey didn't die on his watch. Right. Dismissing (laughs) him was as insulting as it was stupid. This is fun. This is fun because they're governing. With their loved ones and family members here. And sometimes you have to be able to call someone out and say, you're an idiot. You made the wrong call here. I'm sure the (laughs) underwoods. The (laughs) (laughs) I Loved that. Real Jonad move here, (laughs) you know. But what to do, right? What to do to keep your rule stable. You must disrupt yeah. someone else's. It's not just about locking down your own business. It's about making sure that you're the, your enemies, your potential threats, cannot. So Tywin asks Ferris, well,
1: can your little birds find their way to marine? Ferris, sure. of course. You know, most certainly, my lord. Mace, another quill. Uh, that sets up, of course, uh, the outing of Sir Jorah as a spy. That happens in the next episode. Something he should have been. Uh, yeah. He should have been uh, anticipating this, by the way. On to the trial. On to Tyrion's trial. Tywin conducts himself typically behind the scenes in his contr- very controlled, um, maneuvering fashion. He's he's able to um, shift between, you know, the private power player and then the more regal person who's going to rule over this in the king's stead. Thomas stands and recuses himself uh, Announcing to the judges, if found guilty, may the gods punish the accused. Haunting. Very haunting because, first of all, he's, he's, Tommen, does Tommen understand what is going on here? Just, you know, he's been king for like three days. He was never groomed for this. He is a pawn. Right. And very clearly a pawn. Um this will become a theme of the following of the seasons that are coming up. And he has to be, yeah, we know that he loves Tyrion. Yeah, and he's got to stare him down. He's got to look at him and basically set him on a path that will lead certainly to his execution. Very tough. You know who is not really feeling the familial bonds (laughs) tugging at the heartstrings? His father Tywin, who's sitting on the throne in a way that makes you feel like, He's been wanting to sit on oh my the throne uh, for a while.
0: Yes, I'd say so.
1: Um, he looked ready. He looked ready. And, you know, a thing about Tywin, and I'll get into this later, is he has been constantly dogged by rumors throughout his career as hand for the Mad King um, that he was actually running the realm. And it was more or less true for much of that time. And here he is again running the realm. So Tyrion, the questions begin to get put to Tyrion. Did you kill King Joffrey? No. Did your wife, Lady Sansa? Not that I know of. Interesting. How would you say he died? Choked on his pigeon pie? Technically true. So you'd blame the bakers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the pigeons, just leave me out of it. So good. Yeah, good start. It's that's secret- the beginning. <laughs> secretly funny episode, by the way. And then the witness the witnesses come out. We have Maren Trant, fucking piece uh, of shit. Ugh. Jerk. Picel puts on the most sycophantic displays ever seen in the throne room in history. Cersei just dripping acrimony and anger. Uh, Lord Varys putting in a very controlled display against Lord Tyrion. Uh, And Tyrion's trying to challenge all these accounts, but Tywin says, you will not speak until called upon. Tywin isn't really ever in daddy mode. Not that he has ever been with Tyrion, but certainly not in that setting. And then Cersei brings up that line that, We remember Tyrion saying to her about how her joy will turn to ashes in her mouth, and at that point she will know that the debt has been repaid. You kind of felt that this would come back to bite Tyrion. It was an extremely harsh and almost uncharacteristically harsh line from him. It also strikes me just how guilty he does fucking. I mean, you know he didn't do it, but Ah. really, this is like some great evidence. It's not hard
0: for anybody who takes the stand to to make a convincing case against him and it's it's part of why it's particularly painful when Varys goes up there and yeah. in... because there was
1: a mutual respect
0: exactly and Varys has always been pretty honest though like yeah. he was he he owned this back in season one with Ned you know yeah. well I gotta I gotta focus on the realm right so I can't really help you out Serving here the realm. but you know when he gets up there and he says you know that Tyrion didn't seem glad about Rob's death maybe marrying Sansa had made him sympathetic to the North's causes. You know, this is when Tyrion basically can't stomach anymore. And he says, you know, Father, can can I speak, please? May I interject? And he says to Varys, You once said that without me this city would have faced certain defeat. You said that the history books would not remember me, but that you would not forget. Have you forgotten, Lord Varys? And Varys' response is, Sadly, my lord, I never Mm. forget a thing. You know, he can't let his affection for Tyrion trump his his duty in this moment the duty that he thinks he he has and that's part of governing too right it's protecting your own standing and your own interests even if that comes at the expense of people you might truly care about so and it's it's interesting because like let's remember right there is no judicial branch right. here the, the same king. people who rule and who share your dinner table yep. your family dinner table are also deciding your fate this can get extremely messy, but it can also create loopholes for potential exploitation because of the the connections that these people share. And we see this during the lunch break when Jamie goes to visit Tywin <laughs> and he, sa- he just says right away, like, yeah. this isn't a trial. It's a farce. Cersei has manipulated every- everything and you know it. Tywin, I know nothing of the sort. The only thing more offensive to Tywin than the idea of his rule and his oversight of something being corrupted is the idea that someone other than him right. might be doing the corrupting, right. right? The idea that Cersei could be interfering and right. controlling the situation. us
1: Well, Tywin, I think, also is not is not looking particularly ha- too hard at this. You right. know, this is this is all quite helpful to him, and uh, better to just kind of get this ep- this messy episode out of the way, like as soon as we can. And during the course of that conversation, when Jaime uh, offers to resign from the Kingsguard. Um, as we said at the at the top of the King's Road, man, Taiwan agrees to that quickly with a speed. Oh, quick that, one. That quick <laughs> one. That makes you feel as if um he had thought that this could happen. He had thought that this this possibility, that this offer might come up, and he was ready to accept.
0: Well, and and that's to to get back to what you said just a second ago about how many different outcomes here could potentially right. actually benefit Taiwan, right? Well, Jamie sees that too. Yeah. And so that's what he appeals to. What does Tywin actually care about legacy? What happens to your dynasty when Tyrion dies, right? I'm a king's Garden. I'm forbidden by oath to carry on the family line. I'm well aware of your oath. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So Tywin isn't going through the motions of this trial strictly for the pursuit of justice.
1: Oh, yes. of yes. He doesn't
0: <laughs> care, right? Why is he doing this? Governing, yeah. in this case, the process of governing, the very public process yeah. of governing at a trial in front of the lords and ladies of the realm where everybody can see and nothing that happens is behind closed yeah. doors, allows him to further his personal goal of trying to protect the family legacy, in this case through Jamie. Yep. In a public theater, it's actually incredibly savvy. Jamie knows that solidifying this agreement requires one more participant, Tyrion himself, yeah. right? He goes to Tyrion he's basically like, ah, I came up with something yeah. here. Yeah. Great plan. Right. Just need you to do one thing. Keep your mouth shut. Enter a formal plea for mercy.
1: That, this is where, by the way, you got the deal, Tywin. Don't let Shay go up and testify. So you, you've got it. So now. cold. You've got what you came for. This is going to help everyone. Tyrion goes away. You've got your legacy. Cersei will be pissed for the rest of her life, but, you know, we can control that, maybe. Don't let Shay go up there. Why does he? He wants to embarrass Tyrion. Right, he wants, he really wants to put it to He wants to hurt him. Because, you know, he's hated him ever since uh, Tyrion's birth caused the death of his beloved wife. Shay, cold,
0: cruel, calculating, just... Daggers into the heart here. She not only claims that Tyrion had a role in helping Sansa, she completely implicates. Yeah. You know, she's just like, yeah, this was Sansa. You know, wanted to kill Joffrey for what he did to her family, and Tyrion. Tyrion helped. She also, as though accusing him of murder, not bad enough, not damaging enough. She shames him to the fullest yeah. and most savage extent possible by revealing the secrets of their relationship. And it's not just that she's sharing details. It's that she's repositioning them and polluting them and corrupting them. She's using actual things that they said to each other. The little
1: lion. Right. Which would be extraordinarily painful.
0: In a way that make him seem like this petty, needy fool. Right. Instead of those words being being shared in a way that was honest to what they were, which is genuine emotion shared between two people who were falling in love with each other and Tyrion actually like truly looks like he's going to cry. Yeah. He's devastated and it's a reminder that sometimes in King's Landing in the Game of Thrones, governing to reach the ends that you desire requires means that completely fuck up somebody else's life. <laughs> and not just in a professional or military sense. It is personal. It is savage. It sometimes has to be. And this leads to just like an all-time great Tyrion scene yeah, where he snaps. He totally snaps. I wish to confess. Yeah. Jamie looks
1: panicked. The, by the way, ex- excellent work from Nikolai coster waldau in this scene. The reaction work here oh, it's is great. incredible.
0: It's great stuff. Yeah.
1: What does Tyrion say? What does he say to this room full
0: of haters who want him to be mortified? executed.
1: Well, basically, Tywin says, Tyrion, do you wish to confess? Yes, father, I'm guilty. Guilty. Is that what you want to hear? You admit you poisoned the king? No. Of that, I am innocent. I'm guilty of far more monstrous crime. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. You are not on trial for being a dwarf. Oh, yes, I am. I've been on trial for that my entire life. That is so true. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's rare to – it's rare, like, as a human being living in the world to kind of, like, say the thing that you've always thought your entire life. And here – that is what Tyrion is doing right now. He's saying, listen, uh, I, I pretend that none of this bothers me and I'm very good at it. You know, I put up this, uh, this uh, psychological armor around myself. I've neared myself to the, to the jibes and the jokes, and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm aware – I'm fully aware – of how everyone in the realm, including my family, sees me. And I'm also fully aware that it has nothing to do with who I am as a person and that it hurts him. And he's admitting it for the first time here in front of the entire realm and his father and his brother and his sister.
0: It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And, of course, Tywin has no patience for it. No. Not a single shred of emotional maturity or yes. honesty to give to his own son in this moment. And he just, he's like, let's get down to business here. Right. Let's focus. Let's move
1: it on. Let's have keep this moving. you nothing. I've got, a, I've got Shay coming to my yeah. chambers. A bit.
0: Mallory and Jason are going to have to recite these lines and Zach's <laughs> going to tell them that they're running over time. Can we get back <laughs> to it? Have you nothing to say in your defense? And this, this is the hammer yeah, from so... Tyrion nothing but this. I did not do it. I did not kill Joffrey, but I wish that I had. Watching your vicious bastard die <laughs> gave me more relief than a thousand lying whores. I wish I was the monster you think I am. That is a chilling, chilling. line especially because you know in that moment he means it. Yeah. Well, if everybody's going to think this right. about me, I might as well
1: be what's, this guy. Well, yeah, what's What's the benefit exactly of trying to be a, a good person, a decent, somewhat decent, intelligent person? If everyone's just going to consider me a monster all the time, I might as well do it. Right. I might as well be that guy. Exactly. I wish I had enough poison for the whole pack of you. I would
0: gladly give my life to watch you all swallow it. This is not going over well with the room, you know, escort the prisoner back to his cell. And then, here we go. I will not give my life for Joffrey's murder, and I know I'll get no justice here. So I will let the gods decide my fate. Just as Tommen said at the beginning that they would, right? I demand a trial by combat.
1: Dun, 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 dun. That was my law and order sound effect.
0: It was beautiful. Where have we
1: heard this before? We we heard this back in season one with Tyrion himself demanding trial by combat in the Eyrie, and it worked out well for him. Then it's incredible the reaction shots:
0: Marjorie and Loras look shocked; <sighs> Shay looks stunned; Oberyn, Oberyn yeah. leaning forward with great interest. Yeah, like, mm. Mm, this might be my moment. Yeah. He knows. Jamie looks. <laughs> yeah. Jamie looks ill. He looks ill. That's heartbreaking. Cersei just sort of looks like you know she's she's contemplating what's happening. Tywin looks furious because yeah. Tywin does not like the control being wrested right. away from him. Another person who does not like losing control, Danny. And this episode is the beginning of <laughs> Danny's of, of of us seeing Danny's "I will rule."
1: I will rule. I
0: will rule. I will
1: do what queens do. Part of ruling is making yourself accountable to your subjects. This is something that escapes Escape Joffrey, escapes many of the characters that we see in Game of Thrones. Drogon goes out and eats a goat. That goat is part of the livelihood of a farmer who is one of Danny's subjects. He requests an uh, audience with her, brings up the burned bones, and she repays him far above market rates. Ridiculous. Uh. <laughs> Come on. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Danny, you, you need a master of coin here. This is right. absurd.
1: I mean, a little bit higher is fine, but you don't need to get. Let's not get crazy, or else there's going to be people burning their goats, like out, <laughs> like out of the out of the hills. Anyway, it's a great way to uh, to get the respect of your people. She's going to have a bigger challenge ahead of her because who comes to see her? But Hizdar Zolorak. Hate this guy. Who likes who likes this guy? Hate by the
0: way. this guy.
1: Not great in the books, also sucks in the show. his darzo Lorak is um the son of a wealthy family of former masters. His dad recently crucified <laughs> that's a tough one. It's a tough ask but here, but this scene uh, the the utility of this scene is it it gives you an idea of this vast philosophical chasm that Danny needs to try and bridge in order to try and rule this right. city um, as anything less than a total, you know, violent despotism. The masters obviously want to somehow preserve something of their culture. Obviously, they realize that slaveholding out in the open, for for now, is out of the picture. Um then there's the millions of freedmen who worship Danny as their as her their mother essentially. Uh, these two groups of people could not have more different points of view, and Hisdar is here to try and bridge that a little bit. He's, you know, uh, he mentioned his his father and how his father actually actually my dad was not that bad of a slaveholder. He was against <laughs> the crucifixion of the children, your grace. Right? Uh, yeah, give me a fucking break, and he. <laughs> Uh, And so when the subject of his father comes up, Danny says, I should be honored to meet him. And he says, you you have your grace. You crucified him. but I pray you never live to see a member of your family treated so cruelly. Well, listen, let's not uh, we don't want to get in that kind of pissing contest with Danny right now. But, you know, this is this is you've got to hear the hard truths from the people you are trying to govern, even when. You know, they formerly owned people and sold them as property and probably did all types of things. His Darzell sucks, but he gives Danny a good lesson here. You can't paint with a broad brush. Right. Yes, my father crucified children, and he wasn't that into it, to be fair. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's important to realize that there are different perspectives, even amongst the people who you disagree with. Is it justice to answer one crime with another, he asks? And she's not hearing it. I am sorry you no longer have a father, but my treatment of the masters was no crime. You'd be wise to remember that. And he then makes another appeal, and it's one that any ruler
0: also has to heed in order to govern effectively and for a long time. And it is, respect our traditions. Let us have dignity at least. She does consent after this exchange to letting him bury his father why? Well, this is the same lesson that Dario tried to teach her earlier in the season when he's bringing her the the, wild, the first of many wildflower moments for Dario this right. season. And Good swimmer. Strong swimmer, by the way, Dario Naras. Great breaststroke. Yeah, he's looking uh, – man, he's a fit guy also. And – Dario said to her, "You have to know a place in order to rule it, right? Otherwise, you're not a ruler. What are you? You're an invader, and that is the calculus that Danny continues to struggle with. And this exchange with his dar is a reminder of that. But it's worth saying and letting the record show that this is what Danny said. She wanted to do this. Let me rule. I will rule. I will rule. Daunting because after she finishes with the goat farmer and with his dar." And she asked, she asked Mazandi for just a little check. Right. How, how many are left? You know, yeah. in the book, there's this description of like her, her feet are in pain, right? right? Yeah, the yeah. slippers, she's like, her butt hurts. Right. They for have to get her a
1: pillow for the, for the
0: throne. <laughs> it's not comfortable. Yeah. Ruling's not a comfortable business. And, you know, not too many, just 212. Same number of binge mode podcasts we hey! have left to record. Hey, guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now back to binge mode. Jason, yeah. you know what you need to govern? Tell me. Money, coin, coin, baby, currency. That trial, those goat burnings, quite a story. But some people prefer the stories mm. that numbers tell. Some people do.
1: Prefer that. The Iron
0: Bank. Yeah. It's been a whisper, an institution sort of lingering in the shadows through the show's first three-plus seasons. And now, here, finally, we have entered the halls of the bank itself. We have sailed to Bravos. Now that Stannis has secured the bank's backing, let's assemble the conclave and head to the Citadel. Teach us everything we need to know about the Iron Bank, its methods, and its reach.
1: The Iron Bank. Bankers, am I right? The 1%. Fuck those guys. On the surface, it seems perhaps a little strange that banking would exist in the world of Game of Thrones. But not so. George R.R. R. Martin borrowed many elements of his story from Europe's Middle Ages. And even a cursory perusal of that era re- reveals a world that was just as bureaucratic as our own, really. Just with more beheadings, drawings, and quarterings, and uh, absolutely no refrigeration. In 1344, in real life, King Edward III of England bankrupted the Bardi Bank of Florence when he defaulted on loans he took out for his various wars. The Iron Bank would never let this happen. Mm-mm. How did the Iron Bank come to be? Well, they are the wealthiest and most powerful bank in the known world. Most, uh, All of the free cities have their own banks. We don't exactly know who they are. Uh, one of them we do know is called the Rogair Bank of Lys. They were once closely allied with the Targaryen regime during the time of the Dance of Dragons. Um, and they were at at that time just as powerful as the Iron Bank. They are assumed to still exist, though we don't really know what they're up to. The Iron Bank began as a humble vault, just like a hole in the ground. Bravos is a city populated by slaves who escaped from the Valerian Freehold and their descendants. We'll get into that later. In order to evade the ire of the then extremely powerful Dragon lords, Bravos uh, kept its location and its very existence secret, much like Wakanda. In those early years, (laughs) its merchants used an abandoned iron mine as a place to safeguard valuables against pirates and thieves and stuff. Um, As the city grew, so did this hoard of treasure. Gold, silver plate, jewels, whatever, art. Not to be content to just let this pile of currency lay needlessly fallow, some budding capitalists somewhere in Bravos got the smart idea of putting their money to work. Thus, the Iron Bank. When Bravos had grown strong enough to reveal itself to the world— it sent um, emissaries from the Iron Bank to Valeria to repay the descendants of the slave owners whose former property ended up founding the city. The Iron Bank's MO is really very simple. It's just like any bank anywhere. You can place your money with them for safekeeping. They take a percentage, uh, lend out the money, and recoup the profits. A lot of their lending is to kings, archons, princes, people for war. They need money for war, need easy coin in order to pay the troops, to feed them, to buy swords and stuff. After the parties who they have supported win, you hope, uh, the borrower then pays back what he owes, plus interest. Extremely brawn voice. What if they don't? Ah, what if they don't? Great question. If that should happen, like, say, Stannis borrows a bunch of money and then is like, uh, actually, fuck the Iron Bank— they would then fund his enemies. His enemies would agree to buy essentially a portion of Stannis's debts. And when they win, the Iron Bank hopes, they would then be responsible for the money they were owed plus some portion of Stannis's original debt. If that and other methods of the the debtor are unsuccessful, well— Good news, Bravos is home to the most fearsome guild of assassins in the world, the faceless men. Mm. Could they be doing work for the Iron Bank? Um, so the Iron Bank of Bravos, their slogan, by the way, the Iron Bank always gets its due. Don't fuck with them. I should also mention that in the uh when the Dance of Dragons Civil War popped off, the Royal Treasury was divided into portions and one was sent to Oldtown one was sent to Cashly Rock and the Reach and one was sent to Bravos for safekeeping at the Iron Bank
0: Maester Yeah that was great mm-hmm. but we mustn't disappoint father
1: No 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 no
0: So let's head to the sept to bathe in the light of the seven let's share seven of our favorite insights and observations from this episode <laughs> Lightning round style, as always, you go first. What's number one?
1: Tywin, when he hears the tidings from Marine, he says, Dragons haven't won a war in 300 years. Armies win them all the time. Uh, it's not strictly true, but I'm not about to call Tywin out Fact right
0: checking, now. Fact-checking Tywin. Damn. Not
1: not exactly true, Tywin. Thank you.
0: Number two, Pycelle. I'm just going to tee this one up for you. I'm going to put this like get this near the rim and let you slam it home. His... <laughs> testimony is one of the comedic highlights of the episode because he shares with us just as he had previously shared with Raz in the privacy of his chambers. Yeah. Some true and honest feelings about how he felt about Joffrey Baratheon.
1: Pycelle refers to Joffrey as the most noble child the gods ever put on this good earth which is the richest of Fucking piles of bullshit from grandmaster.
0: Great judgment, great judgment from the grandmaster. Great study of character.
1: Number three, Cersei talking. Uh, Cersei is uh, giving her testimony. She says, "When the attack came, Joff insisted on remaining at the battlements. He believed his presence would inspire the troops. Mmm, and he also was very concerned about urgent business that I had for him. What a liar."
0: <laughs> Number four. Nice little moment between Varys and Oberyn in the throne room after the small council meeting. Oberyn says, sharing a little worldview here. It's a big and beautiful world. Most of us live and die in the same corner we were born in and never get to see any of it. I don't want to be most of us. This is just kind of a bummer. It's a bummer. Because it's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful philosophy. It shows us and reminds us why Oberyn is so dope. And we won't say too much, but, you know, spoiler alert, he's not going to be around for long. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we just wish that he could have seen even more of this big and beautiful world than he already got
1: to during his life. Poor guy. Number five, Yara firing up the troops. They skinned our countrymen and they mutilated my brother, your prince, your prince. Everything they've done to him, they've also done to you. As long as they can hurt your prince with impunity. The word ironborn means nothing. Oh, God, the dogs, run. Come on, Yara. Man, listen, you can't give a speech like that and be like, the dogs. We it's also
0: her second speech like that because yeah. she gave it to Balon Come on. before, right? She's like, well, you're going to be a bad dad. I got this. I'm sailing to save my brother. I know. Nope. Okay, number six. Back to that Ober and Varus chat. It Start, yeah. starts off as, again, sort of some like a moment of levity, but there's an interesting thing here at the end. I was never interested in girls either. This is Varys sharing some insights into his sexuality. What then? Oberyn asks. Nothing, Varys says. Everyone is interested in something, Oberyn replies. Not me. When I see what desire has done to this country, I'm very glad to have no part Mm. in it. Besides, Varys says, the absence of desire leaves one free to pursue... Other things, Noburn asks, such as, and then Varys turns and looks at the Iron Throne. What do you make of this? I think he is,
1: I think it's another another allusion to the realm, I think. Yeah.
0: So you think it's a pure.
1: I think, well, as the throne
0: as a symbol of the realm.
1: I think, yes. Our producer,
0: Zach, was like, Varys wants to be king. No, Varys
1: does not want to be king, but he definitely wants to put the Targaryens back on the throne secretly. So while he is serving the realm, it's also a very specific. Reading of what the definition of the realm is, right
0: for the realm as I believe the realm should exist, right. Number seven, bring us home. Number seven,
1: Titan of Bravos, sturdy Titan, his sword held aloft, the flaming fires in his eyes, guiding the ships into the bay, the Purple Bay and the Rag Man's Bay, and his huge nuts. Yeah, show viewers don't really know about this, do they? The Titan of Bravos has big nuts. They're just there. They're when you there. sail under, you get to look you, up. When you sail under the books, I mentioned it. You get to look up and see the cast iron nuts of the Titan of Bravos. Well, begging your pardon, but I think awarding this episode's champion's purse is a problem for now. Each episode, we're going to honor the person who played the game and advance his or her cause in some tangible way. And this week, the winner of our champion's purse is Davos. On King Stannis' behalf. Man, this guy puts in work right here. Great stuff from Davos. I want someone to argue my case the way Davos did. When he pulls off the glove, shows him the nubs... He's so earnest. Yes. He really means it and believes what he's saying.
0: That's the only reason that he's able to have this success, right? right. Is because he doesn't, he's not just playing a game or like reciting lines. It, he has the full force of his conviction. So when, when, when Sherlock's brother comes in
1: <laughs> and. Oh, my,
0: what is it? Mycon? Mycroft. Mycroft. <laughs> <laughs> and calls Stannis, Lord. Yeah. Davos goes into full titles, I don't know. titles, titles. titles. I don't know. I don't know mode, you know, king, king, yeah. and makes the initial request. The Iron
1: throne is occupied at the moment. Indeed, indeed.
0: They deny. They shut down Stannis' request for funding, right? Why? Our books are filled with numbers. We prefer the stories yep. they tell. Less open to interpretation. Right. You can see why these numbers fail to add up to a happy ending
1: from our perspective. I'm afraid we must right. deny your request. have no ships. Right. Very meager army.
0: Stannis just gets up. Yeah. Right? You kept me waiting. Now nah, you don't want to help. I'm out of here. Right. Davos refuses to give in. He objects. And Bravos, thieves are not rewarded with titles. Davos shows them, shows them his his hands, his finger joints, shortened by Stannis. Why? He's an honest man. He's your best chance to get back the money you've sunk into this war. Davos has an interesting strategy here, which is basically to make Stannis seem like the rising prospect. He says Tywin is old. When he dies, who's in command? A boy, a hated queen, a man best known for killing the king. He gets basically the that's a problem for later hand wave. And he says, begging your pardon, but I think it's a problem for now. There's only one reliable leader left in Westeros, Stannis. He's got the birthright. He's in his prime. Is he, though? Uh,
1: I mean, well, he's, he? He, he's younger than Tywin, but you in know, his uh... prime. Ridiculous. Yeah. He's a
0: tried and tested battle commander, and he doesn't just talk about paying people back. He does it. It works. Somehow. Somehow this works, because yeah. the next the next we see Davos, he's crashing <laughs> Sal's bath time orgy. Right. Lock that door, guys. Extremely rude. Yeah. As, as Sal points out, like, you are not a very good friend. I once thought you loved me, but clearly <laughs> yeah, you hate no, me. No, right. Clearly you hate me. But he's got money. He's got coins. A lot of money. The promise of war and spoils. Yeah. What does he get now? A fleet.
1: That's right. And he gives... Uh, that's a very, very sage thing here, which is before he even approaches Salador with that really cool, like, leather case of coins, drops, drops some off with his wife, with Salador's wife and kids. So it's like, guess what? It's too late. Smart, Done deal already.
0: Smart commander, yep. smart hand of the king, shitty friend. But, you know, humor, funding, life for Stannis' campaign, what a W for Davos. Huge win. By extension, Stanny Sr. Stanny. All right, guys, we wish we were the monsters you think we are. But we hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you will join us next time when we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 7, Mockingbird. Uh, I brought
1: you a gift.
0: A lot of little finger voice work coming your way. Until then, remember, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) No more outbursts. This will all be over soon.
1: Among the drugs missing from my storeroom were essence of ratchet and cialis, Viagra. Two pinches of cialis could cause a feeling of strength through my body.